There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's a brand new year. And what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those, I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thank you very much indeed, as always, for being here. It is the interlull, of course. That means that many of our players are away with their countries on international duty, which means we sit around and depending on your level of faith, you do anything ranging from just crossing your fingers and hoping for the best to lighting votive candles while praying for the safety and well-being of these young men that are so important to us. I think we have something like 16 first-team players away, and games are at the time of recording on Thursday. They are beginning today, so I guess we'll just keep everything crossed. That's probably the best thing, rather than just fingers, like cross everything, legs and knuckles can't cross your knuckles but just keep you know hope hope is what i'm saying that everybody will be a-okay on their return for a trip to goodison park next weekend after our win against manchester united of course there was a lot of talk about var and referees and decisions and i think we had a stonewall penalty actually the more i see it the more i think it's a penalty it was given of course but then overturned by var and manchester united fans and manchester united's manager were adamant that garnacho was onside even though you know the one thing i suppose that you have to say about about the technology is that offside is offside of course sometimes human error as we got in the brentford game last season prevents that from being seen properly but when the lines are drawn the guy's offside he's offside i mean you can't really argue with it from that perspective but i do have to i do have to wonder is the decision to make michael owen one of the co-hosts on this new tv show a, a stroke of genius by the pgmol because i can guarantee you one way of making sure i do not watch a television program is if michael owen is involved in any way 
shape or form. So I haven't really watched this new show. And I suppose on the one hand, you can say greater transparency in decision making is a positive thing that it might lead to improvements in further decisions or there are lessons that could be learned. But on the other hand, you have to endure Michael Owen. It feels like too big a price to have to pay. Like if someone offered you a deal and the deal was Arsenal will win the Premier League and the Champions League. But in order for that to happen, you have to listen to In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins for an hour every day for the entire season. No, I'm sorry. I love Arsenal. I want us to win. But there is a line. There is only so much you can ask of a man. And I think that's that line. Michael Owen is the Phil Collins of football punditry. And I don't think the marginal improvement we'll get or might get from this TV show is worth that. And maybe this is just the first step into something worse. Has nobody stopped to consider the idea that this might be just the start? Refereeing reality TV. That's where I see this going. The real house referees of Greater Manchester. At home with the Clattenburgs. Taylor and Dean. Referees on ice. I'm telling you. This is where we're going with all this. They want to be celebrities, not just referees. We're heading down a very dark path here, folks. <sighs> but look, that's for the future. And who knows what other terrible things in the future might take our minds off that. For now, let's get on with the show. And first up today, I'm delighted to welcome back somebody we haven't talked to in quite a while. It is the man from East Lower. Hello there. How are you? I am very well. Long time no here. Yes, it has been has been ages uh, since you've been on the pod. Obviously not ages since we've uh, spoken, although that might be ages too, but not quite as ages, I don't think. No, there's a you know, different type of ages. Yes, ours is old. I think that's how you categorize it at this point. <laughs> Let me ask you, how have you uh, enjoyed the start to this season? Well, I had a slightly delayed start, if, if you're talking about in person, because um, I was away like many people are in in August. So um, United game on uh, on the weekend was my first in the ground. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't a bad way to start. And um, yeah, I, I, I think, I don't think we've quite reached the heights. We're probably struggling slightly from heightened expectations, but um, uh, we're sort of finding a way mostly to get through the teething problems. But um, yeah, I think the Sunday was absolutely fantastic. Honestly, it's just, you, you kind of think after games like Bournemouth and you're never going to get quite such late drama again, but it keeps coming back. It, it is something of a habit or something we're making a bit of a habit of, um, which, you know, I like. And, you know, being of a certain vintage, the games against Manchester United in the past were always so fraught. I can remember one, one night sitting there. It was one of the games I think we played away. We might have drawn 1-1. One, one. And I can remember sitting in the sitting room, just watching the game on the television and realizing that my right leg was just sort of shaking uncontrollably because, you know, this is how big those games were and the rivalry was back then. And I know things have changed. Things are different. You know, we're in a different era, different generation and all that. But I have to say that beating Manchester United still feels just that little bit more special than beating most teams because of everything that's come before, some of the scars that they've inflicted upon us down the years, something like last Sunday, it feels like a little bit of revenge. It definitely does. We've, we've been absolutely walloped at um, Old Trafford over the years and had some miserable moments. I mean, you know, going back, going back a long way, I think probably the most 
down I've ever been after any football match ever was the semi-final one when Giggs unveiled his chest hair. Mm. I honestly think it took me about three days to recover from that. So um, it's always nice to exact a little bit of revenge. Um, and there's something that's great about beating United because they've got you know very high regard of themselves and so quite nice when you beat them. That's a very diplomatic way of putting it. Um, I suppose you could say, you know, about this game that it is like on the one hand, it's good to go into into the interlull with this, uh, you know, three points behind you, big win, et cetera, et cetera. But it also felt like one of those games where perhaps you want the next game to come quite quickly. You don't want two weeks to sort of let this fade away. The feeling that a, a win like that gives you, there's a confidence, belief. You want to go again quite quickly. It, it trips me up every single season. You just feel like the season's kicking off and then it kind of goes on hold for two weeks. It, I, and I don't know why I keep forgetting, but you suddenly think, what, already? Mm. It's so frustrating. And, um, you know, maybe maybe um, you, know, in, you used to not look at the league table till about seven or eight games in, so maybe it doesn't matter that much. But you just feel like you're getting into the swing of it and then you know, the rug gets pulled from underneath you. So you're, you're right, I haven't quite twigged because I'd forgotten it was an in an interlull and quite twig that that game on Sunday was actually really crucial in terms of what the mood would be like for the next couple of weeks. You know, I think if we'd lost that, which we could have, um, I think it would have been a pretty, I don't know, an introspective couple of weeks, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. There would have been a lot to sort of pour over and, and everything else. I mean, you mentioned expectations at the start, and I think that is true, that when you push as hard as we did last season and then you go out and you spend the kind of money that we spent this summer, even if one of those players, unfortunately, is is sidelined for a little while, you know, you're looking for improvement, continuous improvement, all, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, what are your expectations for this season? Because, you know, we, we I think everybody understands, on the one hand, that you're competing with a sort of machine-like behemoth like Manchester City, who are going to be um, as effective and relentless as they have been for the last X amount of years on, under Pep Guardiola. But also, there's a sense that we need to do more, need to be better than we were last season. I think, you know, I, I understand that. But at the same time, I think we were we were so good last season for so long that it's a really high bar like to improve from eighth to fifth and then from fifth to second, I'm not saying that's easy, but clearly the next step is from second to first and that is extraordinarily hard. So, yeah. you know, what are your expectations for this season ahead, both in terms of performance and, and sort of where you would like us to be in May beyond that? Yeah, obviously you want us to win the league. We all want to win the league. But but how how do you think we can, as a fan base, try and manage those expectations? No, it's a good it's a good question because obviously jumping from eighth to fifth, like you said, or fifth to second, is the kind of thing that happens quite a lot. But making the next leap, as we discovered at the tail end of last season, is really hard. Um, so, what are my expectations? I mean, the trouble is, we our expectations now, given the money we spent, is that we challenge for the title. That's that's my expectation, and it is tough. The pressure is we didn't have that pressure until probably midway through the season when we thought, actually, do you know what this is far better than we thought and we could maybe we could maybe we could and so that was when the pressure hit and i, and I think it it told on the players you know as well as other factors like injuries but it, it did tell there's no doubt about it they didn't have the experience and the squad depth um but now the experience to sorry the expectation to to be there or to challenge at the very least is there from the very beginning so it, it makes it harder um but that's really what we you know that's got to be the next step 
to be honest. And if, if step one was getting back to the Champions League, step two is is trying to win the league. Step three, winning the Champions League, I mean, forget it. I, I, I just, I cannot envisage such a thing ever, given our experience <laughs> in that competition. In fact, given our general European experience, which is not great for a club our size, I, you know, that kind of thing is feels like a million miles off. Yeah. But I mean, that's what we've got to strive for. And I think that's clearly what the manager has talked about. What, what Edu has talked about is, is, you know, achieving success and not just being good at football, but, but end product and, and trophies and all those kinds of things. And I'm quite mindful, you know, as we're sitting here talking, like you have two young lads who, you know, are at an age where what's going on at Arsenal right now must really be connecting with them in a, in a, in a visceral way, right? Are they enjoying this sort of progress that we're making? And, you know, you're a fan, whether your team is doing well or your team is doing poorly, you're still a fan. But there's no question the experience of being a fan is heightened during periods when the team is good. You know, from 89, if you want to go from 89 to 91, winning the European Trophy in 94, you know, those first years of the Wenger era, which were so like just pulled from pillar to post in terms of emotion, but, but you also were rewarded with trophies and success. You know, what, what are your uh, lads thinking about all well, this? Well, they are absolutely loving it, as you can imagine. And and also that age, 17 or 14, they're that age where you soak it all in. You yeah. know all the stats and, you know, and so they've got these kind of, this kind of encyclopedic knowledge of players and stats and memories of the games, which completely bypass me now to be honest um but they're absolutely loving it and they you know they're, they're they would come to every game if they could every home game in fact they'd go to every away game if they could but um mm. you know it's quite hard you know it's quite hard to get tickets but of course they're loving it like we're all loving it and i've i've had a new lease of life in you know in terms of watching it too um and over the last couple of years as as i suspect we all have but they you know it's funny when you that age in particular you you kind of enjoy your football partly when you're there partly when you're watching the game but an awful lot of it is online you know on on um, you know watching various people on youtube whatever. i know we all do that but i think it's a bigger part of of their life as well so but they're loving every minute of it yeah i mean the the media landscape has changed quite a lot hasn't it you know uh, oh totally i mean when you know when when you started the blog and and i started mine not long after um you know blogs felt like the future um <laughs> They really did, and and but now you think it's just one small part of a much bigger picture, and and um, you know you get much or you get different engagement on different platforms, and so this it's yeah it's it's one part of the whole thing. Yeah, no, I mean, and look, that's just the way it goes, and the way it evolves, and different platforms emerge, and you know, um, podcasts, videos, and watch-alongs, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it is something there for everybody. I think. Oh, um, for sure. I was going to ask you about Bakayo Saka and Martin Odegaard being nominated for the Ballon d'Or. And of course, we should mention that uh, Katie McCabe has been nominated for the Ballon d'Or for, for the women's game as well. But but Saka in particular, you know, holds a very special place in the hearts of, of Arsenal fans because of, you know, how he's come through the club from an early age. And he's just turned 22. I was a bit sad that he turned 22 because I, I, I enjoyed writing, you know, and he's at 21 to be doing what he's doing at 21 mm -hmm. years of age. 22 feels uh, just a bit 
older uh, <laughs> you know i'm taking nothing away from him but i enjoyed the the fact that he's he's done all this up to the age of of 21 but but saka's emergence over the last number of years um like there was a question on the discord actually let me see if i can find it here um I can't find it. But somebody... Oh, here it is. Super Gilles Grimondi said, who is the last Bakayo Saka? Uh, he also asked, who's the next? And, like, I couldn't tell you who the, who the next is going to be. But They don't come along very often. They, they? really I mean, don't. You know, and I think you you mentioned it to James, I think it was on the Askast Extra, where, you know, who who would play... You know, could you rest him? I think, I think that was the question. Um, and he's so good that I just don't think I don't think you can unless he's carrying an injury or something. And he's a bit, I suppose, the last one in that regard. Someone you just can't drop was Omri, someone like that. And, um, you know, sometimes just once in a while, once in a blue moon, you get a player who's who's so good that you just have to play them and cross your fingers. He's that good. And, and, you know, he's got everything going for him as well in terms of a nice bloke he is. Some of the adversities had to face at a very young age. And mm. the, the way he sort of plays football with a smile on his face and, just yeah, he's a fab, he's a fabulous player. I think any any club would like him in their side, and you know, it's just easy, so easy to warm to a to a player like him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we quite understand how good he could be because I think he's already one of the best players in the world in his position, and for somebody to come through the Arsenal academy and to become that is is really quite rare. You know the. The question about like who was the last Bakayo Saka and the first player that that sort of sprung to mind was David Rocastle because of yeah. the kind of player he he was and the number seven and uh, again coming through the academy and then I was thinking well you know um, he was a a brilliant player but was he widely regarded as one of the best in the world in his position and I'm not sure that he necessarily was even though I think there's you know obviously just obvious parallels between Saka and Rowcastle. And then the one that uh, came to my mind was, uh, I didn't particularly care for, but, but Ashley Cole, um, you know, who did emerge as one of the best players in the world in his position. Um, and I don't, you know, obviously not trying to uh, say they're the same or, or anything like it, but it just shows you how, like that's 20 years ago when Ashley yeah. Cole broke through and for uh, Bakayo Saka, you know, 20 years later, it is rare. Oh, it's totally rare. And you know, if you think of some of the players that came through at the same time as him, Reese Nelson, Smith Rowe, all good players, but he's to- you know, they're, they're, they're totally in his shadow and that's no fault of their own, I don't think. I, ju- I just think he's one of those players who was destined to to reach the top. And, and you know, I, I suppose the thing with Rokas, I think you're right, I don't think he was thought of in the same way, but... You know, it just shows the vagaries of football that Rokas got that terrible injury mm. when he was when he was young, and he was never the same player after. That's all it takes. It's you know, there's an element of luck involved, and hopefully, um, and it, you know, hopefully, Saka won't get that. But um, sometimes you burn you burn brightly very young, and, and not in the latter stage of your career. Other times you get better and better. I don't think there's any particular linear path into how your career pans out. So I guess we just got to enjoy him being this good at this age and hope that it stays that way. Yeah. Amy and James did a good piece in The Athletic about him and about, you know, his progression at Arsenal from a really young age. And I think what runs through it is um, a sort of willingness to listen, a willingness to absorb information, to learn, to be educated and, and things like that. And look, that doesn't mean that every footballer is going to, you know, this is what you have to do to become a, a really good footballer, but 
I, I think it helps. I think it helps when you are ready to be coached or open to be coached and, and to, to sort of learn about the game as you are progressing. Like I, I do feel like certain players have got a lot of talent, but maybe don't have the application to fulfill that talent as much as they can. Where some players have a lot of talent and they combine it with this sort of dedication, um, whether it's, you know, intelligence or common sense or whatever you, whatever you want to call it. But he certainly seems like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, there's no doubt about it. But he, he, you know, lots of players have that, and to a certain degree, and but they find a ceiling that can't quite get past, and it could be that tiny one and a half one percent difference in attitude or something, or, or physique, or I mean, it's so difficult to know. But he he basically doesn't put a foot wrong. Mm. So um, I don't think it will be his progress wouldn't be for lack of trying. You know, he he doesn't. There's not also there's nothing you can say to say well he's a great player but he could be doing this a bit better he's he's it's not that, like that at all he's an absolute poster boy so um yeah he's he's oh, he's just such a sensational player and and you know that the the argument about him being a little bit off par on the weekend well maybe he was but he he still put in a seven out of ten performance you know and and <laughs> he's he's that kind of guy you would never get much less than that from from a player like him. Yeah, I mean, that is, you know, Saka at his baseline is as good as most uh, in the Premier so, yeah. League in that position, you know, um, which I think is why he gets picked. Uh, and I, I understand the conversation, I really do, and I said this to James the other day, I understand the conversation where, okay, this was not his best game, but he still produces. He still produces something. He's capable of producing something in, in games where maybe he's, by his own standards, a little bit peripheral but the quality is so high in terms of everything that he is capable of doing that it only takes a moment it only like did he have a brilliant game against nottingham forest i mean i can't really remember i know mm. it was only a few weeks ago but i know he produced an amazing moment yeah uh to score a goal to put us two nil ahead you know which ultimately was was what we needed to win the game yeah and, and don't forget that one of the first things in any pre-match you know, meeting of the opposition will be how do we stop Saka? So he gets mm. he gets that extra you know um, um, he gets the extra attention from from managers and tactically and physically because he's that good. And so you know so, sometimes people all they want to do is is stop him. So that must be the fact that he still delivers on top of the fact that he's probably the most the player that they most want to stop. In, in our team and yeah he still delivers so I think you have to cut, cut in some slack yeah there was a moment in the early on in the United game where he got the ball I don't know if it was a switch or whether the ball just came to him naturally over uh, on the right hand side and I thought um, Dallow had a good game against him the other day sometimes there's going to be a game where a defender plays very well against him too mm -hmm. you know uh, but in that moment Marcus Rashford's you know, a prime threat for Manchester United, probably their most threatening player uh, on the day. He came sprinting all the way back as soon as Saka had the ball. You have someone like Marcus Rashford sprinting back to double up on him. I mean, that does, you know, highlight exactly what you're talking about there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, he's, he's that good that, they, that he needs special attention every match. And um, uh, and that's what he's up against. And, and that's, you know, it, it must be incredibly daunting as, you know, he doesn't look like he's, is under pressure, but he must be mm. because you know he is. He is uh, the spotlight on him, um, especially, must be just incredible. Beyond Saka, who are you most looking forward to seeing play 
this season for Arsenal? Are there players in your mind who you're excited to see them get minutes or, or are you sort of more focused on the collective? Well, the, the Declan Rice is the obvious one. He's already proved to me that, that, that um, you know, high though that fee was, that's the market rate for someone who's as good and consistent as that. Um, I'm interested to see how some of the those who are a little more peripheral, if they can work their way into the team, because there's people that, that there's a very sort of seven or eight or nine players that are pretty much guaranteed to start, probably more. Uh, and then you've got the players like Smith Rowe and Reese Nelson, who's miss make or break for them, you know, honestly they'll be if they don't get if they don't break in this season they'll be gone um and so i think i'm always interested to see how the sort of team dynamic works and um yeah and and, and you know how it works at fullback as well kind of interested in what he's got planned there he's clearly trying to do something different to make us a bit less perhaps a bit less predictable um so th- it's those little ta- tactical adjustments that i'm kind of interested in when we think about players like Nelson, like um, Smith Rowe, you know, who are probably at this moment in time peripheral, like you say, Smith Rowe hasn't really played a great deal. There is a lot of football to come and things can change. Injuries can open doors and, and all the rest of it. But, you know, in a summer where we've maybe had some problems with, with selling players, where someone like Rob Holding went for a, a pittance, we couldn't get any money for Kieran Tierney. We, um, you know, we still have Nicolas Pepe. We still have Cedric. Uh, and I'm not saying Smith Rowe and, and Nelson are uh, Pepe and Cedric by any means. But the importance of a player having a, a level of profile at your football club when it comes to your squad management, squad building, decisions that you want to make in the future, you know, is that something we need to consider? Like, you obviously, the manager's going to pick a team for uh, that he thinks is is right to win whatever game of football is next. But when a player becomes very obviously surplus to requirements at a club, it's really, really difficult to get the right kind of money for them. Yeah, it is. Um yeah, it is. But you'd have thought that you could still get good money for someone like Smith Rowe, just because of the season that the, you know, the, the season he had two years ago. Um, it's just it's just um, knowing when the right time to make that call is because mm. you know, he what he has to do now is play in the chances that he gets play so well so well that you kind of get to the point where you can't really drop him, and that's that's a really big challenge. Um, so, yeah, I, I think. Every you know, ultimately every player has his price. You know, like a couple of years ago, we wouldn't have considered selling Tierney, and then bit by bit things evolve and things change, and you suddenly, you know, okay, that made sort of felt inevitable in the end. And I think maybe by the end of the season, we'll, you know, some some of these um, squad players, it will feel that their game has run as well. I hope it's not him because I like him, but yeah, um, but you know, it's it's difficult to see how he breaks in, and not just once but breaks in regularly it, at the moment it feels difficult and maybe it would take something like an injury or 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 something else to you know give him that little chance yeah I, look i love watching smith rowe and i hope he can uh, become a first team player for us again i mean there's a big conversation about you know smith rowe maybe not getting as many chances and and someone like kai havertz who's come in and hasn't really set the world alight it's fair to say as yet um 
and people will ask, well, you know, if Havertz is getting these chances, why can't Smith Rowe get uh, some chances in, in his place? It is early days, of, of course, in, in the season. And we've seen Fabio Vieira, for example, come on for Havertz in a couple of games and, and do very well. So someone else is actually getting a chance when Havertz doesn't necessarily play. But, I mean, do you think when a club invests that much money in a player, um, you know, they, they've obviously sat down and talked about spending big on someone like Kai Havertz and, and they must have envisaged a, a certain role within the team for him. Is it there may be more pressure to to make that work because of the money that you've spent? I don't know if there's pressure to make it work because of the money. There's definitely pressure to make it work because you've backed him and you've you've found you know you've they will have done an awful lot of thinking about it and a lot of scouting and worked out a specific role for him or something that he can add to the team, whether it's his, you know, his vision or his uh, his height, his extra height. You know, th- there'll be things that they think could have added an awful. They wouldn't have done it otherwise, would they? Mm. But um, so I think I think the pressure is on making it work as much as anything else. You know, I don't think anyone. I mean, if you look back at Pepe, awful lot of money for a player that didn't work out, and you think, um, I think money is so it's just so out of control in terms of the numbers that we just accept that something costs fifty, sixty, or seventy or eighty million. It's not so much the money, I think, because you can recover that it's more it's it's more whether you know your judgment is then called into question mm. so I, I imagine there is pressure on him on on, on arteta to uh, to justify it but you know i think also it's very early days with him you mentioned pepe we don't quite know what's going to happen with him transfer windows are pretty much closed everywhere i think the saudi window closes today and then there's talk of of turkey and and everything else i mean Players can go to the wrong club and clubs can make bad deals and you can pay too much or overpay for a player. But I can't really remember a player whose stock has fallen so far so quickly uh, as Nicolas Pepe. And maybe there's something else going on we're not quite sure about. Maybe there's an injury or something like that. But the fact that there was basically zero interest in him this summer, is is that a surprise to you or is that a sort of byproduct of player comes in for a big transfer fee wages are probably commensurate with that and that then becomes a a stumbling block for a player's departure because you know he could i'm not listen i'm not saying he's winston bogard by any means but he's got 12 months left on a very lucrative deal at arsenal you know, why would he go somewhere else or, you know, another club, uh, you know, in Turkey is not going to be able to pay what Arsenal are paying. Whether there's a negotiation between club and player to, to come to an agreement, we don't know. But it is, a, it is a sort of sad way for his Arsenal career to end because there were, you know, there were good moments. FA Cup final in 2020, he was absolutely fantastic and mm. helped us beat Chelsea. And here we are a few years down the line, you know, you mentioned Tierney and, and how things uh, develop, but I, you know, at no point did I think it would end in this sort of limbo, if you like. No, I think the fact that, that no one's taken him is really, like you said, it's baffling because you could send him out on loan and pay some of his wages if, if, that, if, if the issue was wages. Um, and, you know, in the, in the years, in the early years, even though he did flatter to deceive, he still got, sort of 15 goals, you know, he, he wasn't, it wasn't like he, there was no end product at all. So mm. the fact that nobody wants to take him, uh, I find really odd. And, you know, I don't think he wants to just sit on it. Why would you use waste? You don't want to waste two, three years of your very short career 
when there's surely someone that would take a risk on him. So like you say, maybe there's a little bit more to it and, and you know, that we just don't know. But um, it's, no fun, it's, it's no fun for him. It can't be any fun for him at the same time. No. I mean, he's, he's not playing. He's not involved. Uh, I don't even think he got a, a new picture. Um, I was looking at the Arsenal website this morning. I don't think he got, when you look at the team's section, I think he's in, oh, he is. He is in the new kit. I think they might have photoshopped him, though. Not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. But uh, yeah, look, we'll we'll wait and see. Um, hopefully, some solution can be found for him to get his career back on track. We had a question here from Gary McDee, who says, "Would you drop Eddie for Jesus, given his good form and the boost the England call-up could bring him? Jesus is number one, but we should have enough away at Everton to keep Eddie's confidence high and ease Jesus back in." Um. Yeah, I I don't know. I think I think I'd keep I think I'd keep Eddie on just for the time being. Like you say, they can just come. You know, we've got the ability to play. You know, play play Jesus off the bench. I'd be slightly inclined to um, give him another go. To be honest, he's he's done nothing really too wrong. Um, so yeah, and he's and he's, he's very tenacious. I don't, it's a good question because it, 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 I still think he's done quite a lot of good work this season in the short. You know, amount of time he's played but um it would be a bit harsh on him to drop him but then you you look at that goal that jesus scored and that's what you get from him so yeah i don't know i think i didn't answer that question very well <laughs> so you've, you've talked yourself out of it having gone one well way, i started yourself by back saying out. yeah let's keep him on and then i'm thinking is that ultimately what's great is that you've got two options and and a classic piece of fence sitting i don't think it you know i, I think the fact that he could come off the bench or start, I think it's great. It means that, that he's upped his level slightly. Mm. The fact that we're even having this conversation. I mean, it is, you know, again, when you consider where Eddie was a couple of years ago, I remember like thinking about, you know, what's the best thing for him and his career? Is it going to be at Arsenal? You know, he could go somewhere. There were like links to clubs like Palace and, and things like that. And you're thinking that's probably, it's probably the right thing for him to do, to go and play regularly you know, but Mikel Arteta's, all, Mikel Arteta's always backed him publicly, always talked well of him. And I think what we've learned about Eddie in the last in the last couple of years, maybe, is that there is a steeliness, a, a drive, an ambition to, to make the most of the opportunity that he has at, at Arsenal. Because, you know, if it doesn't work at Arsenal, you're not going to get a club of a similar stature. So this is maybe your only yeah. shot at playing for one of the big clubs. If you score a load of goals, you know, you, you, the world is your oyster, you know, but I think the fact that he has got his head down, worked hard, improved aspects of his game that, that did need improvement. There's no two ways about it. And has sort of secured his place as the number two striker at Arsenal, even though that's not something he, he considers himself as, um, you know, I think he deserves a lot of credit for the way he's worked to to convince the manager that he is the guy on whom he should, uh, in whom rather he should place uh, some faith. Yeah, and, and don't forget that Ar- you know, Arteta is very exacting in the kind of player he wants in this squad. You know, if he, if he doesn't think they fit the mould, they're gone. Uh, and he clearly is the kind of player with his attitude and his tenacity who leaves nothing behind when he comes on the pitch. And... Um, and like you were saying with Saka, you know, willing, keen to improve. So I think he fits the Arteta mould very, very well. Um, um, so, in, so which is another reason why he's, you know, he loves him because he's doing everything he's asked. 
is being asked of. Yeah. Question here from SoCal Ben. Uh, assuming David Raya is going to get a game, do you think Everton or PSV is the debut? He says, I'm going for Aaron Ramsdale for the fight at Everton and Raya for the ball-playing PSV game. Uh, I, I don't know. I've, I've found this the most, sort of the strangest of, of our summer business, if I'm honest. Part of me feels that they signed him with a view to him replacing Ramsdale. I can't shake that from my head. Uh, and I don't like the idea of that because I think Ramsdale is a fabulous keeper and also fit, you know, he's a great, he fits the kind of ethos of this squad really well. I'm not saying Raya doesn't, but I've, I find it a bit weird because even even if Ramsdale retains his league place, Raya's going to want to play in the Champions League. He's going to need to be given some chances. But are you telling me that Ramsdale doesn't want to play in the Champions League too? Mm. So I have found it odd. And uh, you know, obviously it's great to have two, two excellent goalkeepers, but like I think you've said before yourself, I don't think it lasts more than a season in that way. And so, yeah, I, I imagine... I don't think Ramsdale's on anything that deserves him to be dropped. So I suspect it's cups for the time being, but who knows how that will pan out. Yeah, I, you know, I'm like you. I think there's um, the fact that the, the goalkeeping coach and David Raya share the same agent, you know, I think is an obvious connection. I'm not saying there's favoritism or anything like that, but I, I, I can see on the one hand the... Um, the need or the desire to have two good keepers. You know, when you're fighting for the Premier League, when you're fighting for the Champions League, you know, if an injury occurs, as has happened this season to a goalkeeper, Courtois, of course, at Real Madrid did his, his cruciate. And, uh, you know, you're left, in, you're left in a bit of a hole or you're left with a keeper who maybe isn't quite of the requisite yeah. standard or, or where you need that keeper to be. And maybe this is just the start of something. Maybe this is the, the, the start of a new trend, as can happen in football, where you've got two very, very good goalkeepers at a club. Um, you know, and they we, share responsibilities. Yeah, maybe. They, 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 yeah. Maybe, but I'm, I'm sort of with you in that I feel there is a sort of longer-term decision being made here. And look, this is the, the week when Ramsdale has been named in the PFA Team of the Year. He's been nominated for the Yashin Trophy, which is, you know, shortlist of the 10 best goalkeepers in yep. the world. You know, he's still pretty young, isn't he, Aaron Ramsdale? He's, what, 25? Yeah, he's young. Young for a keeper. You know, young. still really young for a keeper. Um, so, you know, I, I'm a little bit oh, on edge about it, but I don't know that the ideal scenario of two goalkeepers pushing themselves to be the best that they can be is is a really long term uh, a long term thing. You know, I think somebody has to come out on top, and then somebody's going to be pissed off. Yeah, maybe or maybe it's just a little bit of ruthless decision making, whereby you've got a guy for a, a year. If it doesn't work out and he's unhappy because he doesn't play, we only had him for a year. Mm. It's fine. Uh, you know, maybe that's the logic too. So um, it, no guarantee. I don't know. I just, I just feel that's uh, of all the players who probably who would hit the hardest if he was replaced. It's, it's always the goalkeeper, isn't it? Um, well, it usually is. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're 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 in the spotlight. They're in the spotlight. Okay, let's do uh, let's do one more, and it comes from Sean One Two Three. Here's a good one for you. Now that the dust has settled on the transfer window, we've gone on another spending spree. Comparing this to the summer of 2018 when the Cronkies got full ownership, how many titles could we have picked up and embarrassing results in the Champions League could we have avoided if they showed the same ambition in the 2010s as they do now? <laughs> 
I mean, who knows? You can't change the past. But um, yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, I, I think, I think that that joint joint ownership thing was always a stumbling block. And I think, I don't know. I think also the Cronkies have learned to love being the owners a bit more than maybe they were before um, and realize what an asset it is. So, um, yeah, I think we, if we, you could say it all the way through Wenger's reign as well. All those years when he was parsimonious and, you know, backing this project when we moved to the new stadium and didn't sign many players, you know, of course we could have had a better chance if we'd had better players, but you can't, you can't really change that now. But uh, yeah, they, I do think that um, the last couple of years show that, the, you know, you have to invest in order to try to keep track of the top two or three and whether we can keep on doing that. I just don't know. I mean, do, does it demonstrate that you have to be properly involved? You know, because I do think so. Yeah. You I know, I think, think so, they, yeah. they, they certainly have been more hands on. There was obviously that misstep with the Europa League. Um, they weren't the only owners who misstep, but they, they right. did make a mistake there. But before that, you know, they were certainly in terms of uh, Josh becoming more involved. Um, Stan is who he is. Um, but Josh Kroenke has been more of a public face of the ownership when for a long time there was nobody anywhere. You couldn't see yeah. any, you know, sign of, of KSE um, at the club. I, I think if, to, to challenge for the top, top, you know, trophies, you have to, the whole club has to be working in the same direction and have a very clear strategy. And, you know, I think, I think that Arsenal feels like a very unified club right now. Uh, everyone is, you know, um, on the same hymn sheet. And mm -hmm. if you look at other clubs who spent plenty of money, um, but never quite, you know, make it. You look at a club like Everton, which is a big club, spent plenty of money over the last five years, but are in a horrible state. And, that, and, you, and you, you know, a lot of that is to do with the way the club is being run um, and the structures from top to bottom, I'm sure. So um, it really helps that they've, that they're in lockstep with each other. Um, it's, it's, you know, it has to be a massive boon. Yeah, and look at who the Everton owner is, you know, the actual one yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah, uh, quite. Uh, and all the rest of it, yeah. All right, well, is there any chance that you are going to uh, dust off the blog anytime soon? I will, I will, but it will be um, at peculiar intervals. I don't know, I, yeah, I will do it because I do <laughs> still love the occasional one, but... Uh, it's easy, you know. What was, I can't remember what that quote was with Wenger, where you know you go up, you you go up in the you go up in the stairs, you come down in the elevator or something like yeah, that. Yeah, confidence uh, goes down in the elevator, and you've got to go back up in the stairs. I think. Yeah, I feel like that with blogging. You do it every day, so that's literally what you do. Yeah. And the, the, as soon as you stop doing it, it just goes incrementally uh, becomes lower down in the list of things that you <laughs> you do. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't want to stop it completely at all because I, I do enjoy it, but. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit slap, haphazard at the moment. Hand it over to one of the young lads. They've got the the oomph. They do. They really. They can certainly help me with. Uh, <laughs> that's a good point. I shall start. Um, no, I don't know. It's a family <laughs> affair. It could be a family affair. You know, pass it on. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe. Like a sh old cobbler's business or something. You know. I almost don't want to suggest that, but okay. uh, you know. All right. Well, look, we we'll leave it there, Jim. As ever, thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you very much indeed to the man from East Lower. You can find him very, 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 very occasionally blogging at eastlower.co.uk, at eastlower.co.uk. And he's on Twitter, of course, at eastlower, at eastlower. 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's a brand new year. And what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those, I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. All right, with me now on the Arsecast from the Gooners podcast, it's Mike Feinberg. Hi, Mike. Hey, Andrew. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. You have got a big event coming up. Not for the first time. You are doing a a podathon, and you are raising money for a cancer charity in the process. Maybe just give me a little bit of background as to to why you're doing this. Yeah, it, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society mm. is a charity that is extremely important to me. A little bit of backstory. Uh, unfortunately, as so many people that uh, that we know and that we've met uh, have in their lives. I lost uh, a loved one, my father, to leukemia in 2010. Far too young, far too painful, and, uh, and I really just don't want to see that happening anymore. I certainly don't want it to happen to me or my family or anybody else. So uh, the Leukemia Lymphoma Society is a great charity. They raise money not just to try to find the cure, for blood cancers, but also to help families that are dealing with these awful illnesses with support financially and otherwise, and it's worldwide. So mm. uh, my goal became to try to help raise money, raise awareness for the great things that they do. And uh, for the last five or six years, Gooners versus Cancer has been doing that. And for the last three years, this year included, we have had as one of our, let's call it more stuntier fundraisers, a uh, 24 and now 27 hour live podcast to raise money for the leukemia and lymphoma. I mean, 24 hours is hard enough. Why 27? Was it just because you had so many amazing people to come on that you had to sort of extend it out? 
It's a bit of that, and it's a bit of when you do 24 hours, you're going to miss one UK primetime window. And when you do 27, you can catch two. Right. And, uh, and it didn't kill me last year to do 27, so I'm going to try it again this year. But, you know, it, you find it hard enough to listen to me for five minutes. I understand that. I get it. Uh, why would anyone want to tune in to me doing a podcast for 27 hours? But that's completely not the point. It's not about listening to me. It is, like you said, about the amazing guests that we get on. And I, and it just, I pinch myself every year, uh, more than every year, actually. But I pinch myself every year when, when I, you know, when the list of guests come together. But it's just really, really amazing. Yeah. I mean, people who may not know you as well as I know you might not understand what a persistent guy you are. So you do a lot of work behind the scenes. I always thought, I thought it was more about the charm than the, and the, uh, the, you know, the, well, let me say char assistance then there's a, you know, a little from column A, a little from column B, you know, you are assistance is, yeah, I, I think I'll, I think I'll use that. Okay. Uh, before yeah. we get into the, the details of who's going to be on this, what's your prep for it? Like, do you try and stock up on sleep in the few days before? Do you sort of recharge your batteries to 110% and then exist on a diet of caffeine and other um, energy-giving substances? By which yes, I mean well, like energy drinks and chocolate and sugar and things like that. Definitely not amphetamines. Well, no, no, I, I, I would never do such a thing. Uh, well, chocolate and sugar, unfortunately, are, are off my menu nowadays. Mm. Uh, but certainly used to be part of it. So yeah, there'll be a lot of sugar-free Red Bull. Uh, there'll be a lot of protein bars. Those those tend to be easy to suggest uh, to digest and less offensive to eat on camera <laughs> uh, than soup or lamb ribs or something. You know, some of those other meals that I like. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's th there'll be a cooler next to me. There may or may not last year have been a diaper on me uh for periods of time um i said may or may not andrew i mean you know no but I, not, not gonna... mike not i i <laughs> i must insist on the not <laughs> yes I, I i would agree um uh, this is my last appearance on the Ars on our cast by the way but uh but yeah there is some preparation involved but the preparation really comes in the planning uh in the guests i mean 27 segments of amazing guests and you know, not just getting them coordinating the times over multiple different time zones, but uh, mm. coming up with things to talk about. And, uh, and and my hope is that, you know, when you tune in for various hours or if you're crazy enough uh, to, to do what I do and, and stay up for the entire 27 hours, which some people did last year, uh, my hope is to have you entertained and also uh, be sodden with chances to win amazing Arsenal prizes because that's that's the other thing. Okay. We have never been a charity that just asks for for funds. We always believe that. Uh, and here's the cheesy part: fundraising should be fun. So we put the fun, Andrew, in fundraising. Okay. And uh, and you should have a chance to win some amazing Arsenal stuff as well. So there's that there's that incentive. Okay. On. So what like what kind of prizes are are available? And obviously these are going to be done, I guess, across the the period of the the 27 hours. Yeah, we will be drawing for these prizes over the course of the 27 hours. But you can actually donate and should donate now, anytime from the time you're hearing this up till and through the show. Because you know if you donate as the show is going on you're going to miss out on some prize draws mm. from earlier in the show. So, uh, so you can definitely go to the website, which we'll talk about in a minute, learn more about the guests, learn more about the, the, the charity and what we've been doing. 
and donate directly to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society um, and, and get that done. But yeah, we're going to be giving out uh, the grand prize is the first team sign arsenal kit uh, donated by the club themselves. Uh, we've got kits signed by our friends who are, you know, happen to be Arsenal legends as well, like Lee Dixon, Kevin Campbell. Uh, we've got uh, Alan Smith, and they sign the shirt with whatever personal message within reason you mm. want them to put on the uh, on the shirt. Within We're reason, be giving away new <laughs> kits, home away uh, third kit. If anyone wants the away kit, you know you you can uh, you can snag that thing. But um, giving away artwork from some amazing Arsenal artists like Ruth Beck. And, uh, of course, we are actually, this year, we have the original Mikel Arteta press conference placard from the Washington, D.C. MLS All-Star Game. And it's been donated by Sophie Nicolau, who was there, and she swears. <laughs> she says that she's willing to sign a certificate of authenticity that she saw Spittle jump out of his mouth at one point onto that card. So there's, there's Mikel uh, Arteta's DNA on there. We can clone them. You can do whatever you want, and you can win that prize. So, I mean, wow. there's just a great a great bunch of stuff that you can win, and we're going to be doing one pretty much for every segment. So every hour or, or two hours, we're going to be doing a prize draw. So you're going to want to get into that. I'm just imagining an island with a fun park filled with Mikel Arteta's of various size and ferocity. Uh, yeah. Someone should make a film about that. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, uh, Morassic Park. Would it yeah, be called? Maybe who knows? So tell me, who have you got to well, entertain list, people during these twenty-seven hours? The list will drone on for a while, but let me just tell you, we've got former players like the three I mentioned: Alan Smith, Kevin Campbell, uh, Lee Dixon. Always joins us this year. Maybe different depending on some uh, some stuff that he's got going on schedule-wise or schedule-wise. Uh, we love our football commentators. This this one, we've got Peter Drury, Jim Proudfoot, John Champion joining us, and the, the latter two are joining us for something we do called the FA Cup of Football Phrases, which is a uh, FA Cup-like tournament where we take all these English phrases like sixes and sevens and bags of pace and things that you would never hear in America or pretty much anything have other than football, mm. and they're going to be the judges and take us to our to our. Uh, 2023 champion but uh, we love our football commentators we've got tons of podcasters and bloggers not the least of which is of course yourself uh, James Gunner blog McNicholas we've got Elliot coming on we've got Clive coming on from Arsenal Visions uh, Arsenal Vision sorry uh, and just a ton of other podcasters bloggers friends of the podcast interesting people sure the, the full schedule uh, you can find on GoonersVCancer.com it's out there. You can also find it tweeted out by uh, by us at Gooners V Cancer and Gooner, the Gooners Pod on Twitter. Um, it's all laid out there hour by hour, along with the prizes that we're giving away in each segment. And that is also the website where people can donate, GoonersVCancer.com. Absolutely. And I will say, since that is a website uh, owned, or not owned, but run by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, it isn't great on your mobile phone. Uh, it's fine, but in order to donate, you will have to scroll all the way down to the bottom through all the content. Whereas if you go on from a uh, from a uh, one of those machines, uh, those computer machines, those internet machines, uh, it'll be a little more clear exactly how to donate near the top. But yes, that is exactly where you would donate. You can use any credit card. It'll be in dollar de uh, denominations, but your credit card company will take care of that if you're someplace like the UK or mm -hmm. Ireland or anywhere else. So. Um, so yeah, goonersvcancer.com, 
is the place you need to go. That's where you can go to make a donation to a, an incredible cause and to help support what is going to be an incredible feat of endurance and uh, audio and all the rest of it. When does it start uh, exactly? So um, your time, give us a like a US time and a UK time for when this starts. The show will be kicking off uh, with a great hour to start thing. It'll be the Gab and Jules uh, podcast, Gabby Marcotti, uh, my old high school football teammate, uh, if you can believe that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and Jules Lawrence uh, from the Gab and Jules show. We're kicking off at 6 p.m. this Sunday, the 10th of September. Uh, that's UK time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern time, 10 a.m. Pacific time here in the U.S., uh, we're hoping to get a huge worldwide audience. The more people whose eyes are on it, the better. But that's going to be the kickoff, and it ends at 9 p.m. Monday, the 11th. Uh, that's UK time. Wow. And, uh, and and there's a link that you can go to to watch it. So you can either search on YouTube and you know subscribe to the Gooners pod, or if you just want to watch this podcast, at any point in the pod, you can tune in to www.27hourpod.com. The 27 is the number 27hourpod.com, and that'll take you straight to the show. All right. Well, listen, it's all there. We'll put some links to all of this in the show notes as well, a link to the donation website and a link to the site where you can watch the pod. I look forward to talking to what I presume will be a fairly exhausted Mike at some point on, on Monday, I think late Monday morning, Monday afternoon. Uh, yeah, that, by the that's time we about got... the point last year where, uh, where where I started to drag a little bit and, and got bailed out by uh, by my co-host. And, and, you know, it wasn't that what he was saying wasn't fascinating and interesting. It always is. But but I this time I have Clive coming on an hour two and not hour 16, uh, because no matter what a person's saying in that voice, when you haven't been to bed for 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 24 hours, it's going to hurt you. Better. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our segment. It'll be uh, James will be on. You'll be joining us, and uh, and we're gonna have a good time. Okay, well, the very best of luck with it. Congratulations! It's a it's a brilliant thing to do. I hope you don't hallucinate too wildly during these 27 hours of sleep deprivation and all these voices going around in your head. Maybe more than all the usual voices. Mike, thanks a million. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate your support. Take care. You can find Mike on Twitter at The Gooners Podcast, at The Gooners Podcast, and all the details that you need to make a donation to help support the cause, to help support Mike during these 27 hours of live podcasting. Like, I take my hat off to you, man, because that is not easy. Let me tell you, if you'd like to donate, support, as well as be in with a chance to win some of the great prizes, go to GoonersVCancer.com. That is GoonersVCancer.com. Right. I think we will leave it there for this week's show. As I said at the top, keep everything crossed for our boys who are away with their countries. Let's hope they play well, come back confident and fully fit in good form and good spirits to go again. James and I will be here on Monday with an Arsecast Extra. As well as that, you can catch myself and James together with Mike on the uh, the Podathon on Monday, pretty much straight after we finish recording. So we're going to do a little mini Podathon of our own. We'll join Mike and help him through another hour for now. Take it easy, folks. Enjoy the weekend, and we will catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye.
This week on Celebrity Big Brother, I'm a referee, get me out of here. Tensions are high in the house when Stuart Atwell steals David Coote's Muller Rice. Give me back my rice! Sure, you Stuart cunt. Meanwhile, Anthony Taylor and Paul Tierney nearly come to blows over a comb. You fucking bald, mate! Nice fucking bald as you, you prick! In the garden, Jared Gillard has a moment of quiet self-reflection. Why is it always bloody Arsenal? I'd like to fuck some other teams over too, you know? And there's drama as a special guest is introduced to the house. Oi! Referees! I've got a bone to pick with you! All this and more on I'm a Celebrity Big Brother Ref Get Me Out of Here, streaming now on pgmol.com. 